Hello, hello, and welcome to the second edition of the State of the Art Sports Podcast. I want to thank you for the wonderful response we received on the first episode. Matt, what are we talking about today? We're going to go ahead and give you guys a uh, quick NBA offseason recap. We're going to give you a preview of the second half of the MLB season, but I'm forgetting something, Jake. Can't believe you forgot this. You left this out. This is the early bird special before training camp, before anyone else. We're going to give you our NFL teams on the decline and our NFL teams on the Stairmaster for this upcoming season. So let's get started. Matt, what do you think of the CP3 trade we saw? So we saw the Rockets basically trade Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, and a bunch of guys like you and me for CP3. I, I like this trade for CP3. It gives him his best chance to win now in the last couple of years of his playing career. You see, um, I think it's a miserable trade for the Rockets, okay? You have James Harden, who's top three in possession, needing the ball in his hands, and you have Chris Paul, who I think is number seven in time having the ball in his hands. How is either one of them going to play on the outside while the other one is busy, you know, playing ISO basketball. How? Uh, you, you see that with D'Antoni. D'Antoni is a point guard coach, but essentially they have, like, two point guards now, but hopefully Harden, Harden has played off the ball in the past, so maybe he can get back to that a little. I'll see it when I believe it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think this move changes much uh, for seeding in terms of uh, the Rockets, the, the, the you know, record-wise, they're going to be the same team they were last year. Uh, I have a better question for you, though. Uh, what do you think of the Paul George trade? I think the Pacers are the biggest idiots in the world. I don't know if Larry Bird made this trade, Kevin Pritchard made this trade. I don't know who made this trade. Monte Ellis made this trade. I don't know who made this trade. I don't know if Peyton Manning came back and made this trade for an Indianapolis team, but they got absolutely scammed. How are you going to trade a superstar for Victor Oladipo and DeMontes Sabanis? Let me give you some interesting stats right here. So Zach Lowe of ESPN reported that the Nuggets and Cavs and Pacers had an agreement for a three-way trade, and the Pacers backed out last minute. It would have sent Trey Lyles, Gary Harris, and a protected first over to Indianapolis. Gary Harris is 20 times better than Oladipo. If you look at the numbers, um, Gary Harris shoots 42% from three. Oladipo shoots 36% from three. Gary Harris has a 61% true shooting percentage, and uh, Oladipo has a 53% true shooting percentage. And uh, what do you need in today's NBA, Jake? You need shooting. The bottom line here is with, with the idiocracy, the dumb Pacers management, whoever's the decision maker there, is if you're going to have a fire sale, if you're going to start trading away superstars, if you plan on sucking, if you plan on taking, tanking, you need to receive draft picks in return. If you're building for the future, you need to build for the future, which, not not get Victor Oladipo. Which makes even less sense on why they wouldn't take that Nuggets offer where you get the first rounder. And then um, if with all these moves they're making, it looks like they're trying to stay competitive. If you're trying to stay competitive, why don't you just take the Cavs' offer of Kevin Love? Well, so I think the problem is uh, teams are now saying, okay, how am I going to stay competitive, especially in the East? It's happening in the West, but especially in the East, with the Boston Celtics now, with Gordon Hayward. Boy, oh boy. Oh, I wish you could see me right now. I wish we were doing a, a, a video. I, I'm taking a victory lap when I predicted Gordon Hayward to the Celtics. It was obvious for me. That is... You know, people say the Warriors are a super team. 
The Celtics are like a 15-20 year dynasty with all the young players and draft picks and players in their prime that they have right now. You want to talk about a potential super team, you might as well just talk about Carmelo now because he's either getting bought out and signing with the Cavs or he's getting traded to the Rockets and they're going to have a big three down there or there's going to be a new big four in Cleveland. You see, I don't see that happening. Uh, There's reports that Carmelo wants to stay in New York because that's where his kid is. Um, I guess his kid can't move, you know, um, but, you know, family's very important to Carmelo, and uh, I think he's going to stay in uh, the Northeast. Northeast Ohio. No, no, no. MLB second half of the season preview. Matt, I know you're an expert on this, so I want you to enlighten the rest of us on what's going to happen the second half of the season and leading up all the way into the World Series in late October. Well, I think you're going to go ahead and if you're going to jot down two teams to meet in the World Series, you might as well jot down the Astros and the Dodgers, both teams with just extraordinary offenses with Bellinger and Seager. And Altuve, Springer. I mean, it's absolutely insane. You're talking about the Astros' offense. Oh, the pitching, too. But, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane, and they're only going to acquire more pitching. By the way, you guys... Be on the lookout for our MLB Trade Deadline podcast. That will be coming soon. But, I mean, they're absolutely insane. They talk about that Astros offense. They've already hit 148 home runs. I mean, one through nine, someone's going to pop a home run off every night for them. They're also the first team in, like, the past 60 or 70 years to be at 60 wins uh, at the All-Star break, which is historic. What they're doing. You're gonna, you're also, you're going to have to watch out for the, the Cubs and the Indians because they're – I mean, the Cubs are – back right now, but they underperformed this first half. They're only going to get better. Theo Epstein's only going to make the move for them. And the Indians started to catch fire at the end of the first half. You better you better watch out for them. I mean, Jose Ramirez is best first third baseman in the American League. Better than Donaldson, better than Machado, better than Beltre. How about Carrasco, too? I mean, the, the whole pitching staff is incredible. I mean, they're, they got Carrasco, uh, Kluber, Bauer. They're, they're probably, they probably may need to go get out, get, get a pitcher, but they're, the Indians are right back there. What about the wild card race? So the wild, so the wild card race is absolutely wide freaking open, and that's what's actually going to make this trade deadline like something we haven't seen uh, in the past decade. There's definitely more sellers than there is buyers because you got a team like the Rangers who are 43 and 45 right now, and you don't know if they're going to buy at the deadline or if they're going to start selling the Lucroys, the Darvishes of the world. Because if they, if they don't sell, they could easily make a wild card game. But if they do sell, they could replenish that, that farm system that they dished out for Lucroy and Hamels the past couple of years. Uh, speaking of, so we talked about underperforming teams on the rise. Uh, what about overperforming? Um, what about the Yankees? The Yankees played out of their minds the first couple months. Injuries caught up with them, and now they're down to earth. I mean, everybody was on this Aaron Judge high. But, I mean, he's a good player. He's obviously an all-star, but teams are going to watch the hat, watch the tape they're over gonna this break. They're going to figure out how to pitch to them. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna figure out how to pitch to these youngsters. Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna, the teams, the Yankees will probably go out and make a move, but I, I don't think the Yankees will make the playoffs. The eight, but the AL East is wide open. you got the Rays, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Two of those teams, three of the, all, actually all three of those teams could easily make the playoffs, but I'll go ahead and predict that two of those teams will make the playoffs. So on the spot right here, who do you have World Series? World Series champions this year. I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Los Angeles Dodgers. You mean, wow. in a seven-game series, Kershaw is going to pitch three times. 
potentially four, maybe out of the bullpen, it's going to be tough to beat that. Uh, the Dodgers do have 61 wins already, Jake. So you said the Astros like the first team in years to win 61, 60 wins before the break and ever. So uh, you might want to get a fact checker. Okay, well, it's not my fault. Uh, I was watching, you know, Sports Sunday last night with Mike Ducey. And uh, Mike Ducey actually happened to mention that little statistic. And I thought it was a very interesting statistic that I was going to use when we were recording this podcast. But apparently Mike Ducey is fake news now. NFL teams on the rise. Matt, who do you have for your team on the rise for the upcoming season? I might sound a little homerish here, a little little biased here, but I got the Cleveland Browns on the rise. And that's just because this is going to be the second year of Hugh Jackson. Wait, 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 wait. So, hold on. You're using a coach being in his second year as a reason for why a, the team is going to be better. Yes. The, the culture of Cleveland has improved 100%, especially the Browns, because you used to see with all these young players that uh, Justin Gilbert, for example, they were losing. Justin Gilbert was sleeping in. He wasn't going to the meetings or anything. But now that they, they you saw last year, they were 0-14, 0-15, or whatever, late December. Most teams mail it in at that point. They're like, ah, oh, we'll just go 0-16. This team fought for Hugh Jackson fought to get him a win so he didn't become a mockery of the NFL. That is a ludicrous freaking statement because, like, a co- so, like, I, I completely buy the player argument. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's the player's second year in his system. He's going to know the offense, the defense, the plays. He's going to be better. He's going to be very familiar. It's going to be second nature to him. A coach is completely different. A coach presumably doesn't need to learn how to coach. He doesn't need to learn how to coach, but he's established a culture there with Sashi Brown. Where they're gonna, where the Browns have confidence now. I mean, you look at the line. Pro Football Focus rated the Browns' offensive line number two with these additions of uh, Treader and uh, Zeitler, which is which is gonna be perfect because they're gonna have Kaiser or Kessler back there in a simplified system, much like Dak Prescott had last year. And then they're gonna have Crowell, who's gonna run for over a thousand yards with that with that offensive line. And then you got Britt. Kenny Britt, who's a pretty good receiver, and he was pretty good last year with Case Keenum and Jared Goff. If you can, in, Kaiser and Goff. Kaiser's better than Goff, and Kessler's better than Keenum. I'm better than Keenum. I can put my intramural stats out there, and the Rams might might sign me. So you are so dead wrong. You have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. You can't say there's a team on the rise when your quarterback is either Cody Kessler or Deshaun Kaiser or Brock Osweiler or RG3. But look at the defense. Look at that. They got Jamie Collins, who knows the system more now. I guess he doesn't know the system more, but the guy is a top five linebacker. So, so Jabril Peppers and Mr. Number One overall himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Miles Garrett. Okay, great. Phenomenal. Fantastic. You, 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 you have a young, talented defense. Um, but you're glossing over this offense here. You're like, okay, Pro Football Focus has these offensive linemen rated extremely high, and the, and the team and the offense is going to be a well-oiled machine, and it's going to flow so well. That's not how offensive line play works. You don't just plug it in, and everything's all fine and dandy. Generally speaking, new offensive lines that are coming together takes them a very long time. It takes them until about Thanksgiving before they start to even scratch the surface on their full potential. This is not a Cowboys offensive line by any means. You're right, it's better. Oh my goodness. I mean, you have Joe Joe Thomas is the best 
left tackle of all time. I don't want to hear any, maybe Orlando Pace, but Joe Thomas is going to help Treader and Zeitler learn the, learn this offense and so the Browns can get moving. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team by any means, but they're going to be improved. They're, they're a six-win team. Let me say this about, oh, oh great. Uh, yay. Celebrating, dancing in the streets, six wins for the Browns in Cleveland. That's their ceiling. Realistically speaking, they're a 3-13 and team. Uh, but, you know, like, uh, you talk about the outside receivers. You talk about Corey Coleman. Okay, he's a speedster. Devin Hester is a speedster. Oh, well, he was a great receiver. But you talk about Kenny Britt. You're putting all this faith, just like everybody else does, in Kenny Britt. The rule with Kenny Britt is the second you start to rely on him is the second that he crumbles, the second that he falls, the second that he fails. I don't think they're going to rely on him every single down. I think mean, you're wrong with Coleman. Coleman's more than a Hester. Hester couldn't really run the routes. Coleman is one of the best route runners. If you take his, if you take a look at the tape from last year, his routes are absolutely fantastic. I mean, injuries did catch up to him last year, but Coleman's an up-and-coming up and star in the NFL. I will concede with you about this defense. Incredibly young and talented. Just ridiculous with Garrett, uh, Joe Hayden, Jamie Collins, Ogba, Danny Shelton, Calvin Pryor. It's ridiculous. I mean, this is a crazy. And with Greg Williams there, they're gonna be they're gonna be a feisty D. I'm not gonna say there's gonna be any bounties out there, but they're gonna be hitting people and they're gonna be hitting people hard. But what you're forgetting here is, don't you remember like last season when the Jaguars put together this extremely talented young youthful defense? They had like Miles Jack and. Jalen Ramsey, and they were making all these signings, and Gus Bradley, all, oh, you know, he was the Seattle D coordinator, and it's it, it just going to be terrific. It's going to be an elite defense. Well, the Jaguars were the same defense, the same team they've always been last year, and this is what the Browns are. You know, you feel bad for them. They're the underdog, so, you, you know, you're biased. I'll say I'm biased for sure, but the Browns? Are a playoff team in a few years. They have the they have the culture there. They have the foundation set, and they only they have five first rounders and second rounders next year, which is only going to add to their foundation. How about the Browns' drafting ability, right? Um, Sashi Brown has proven not to be bad so far. Sashi Brown this is his second draft, and he absolutely dominated another second draft. I mean, last year you had to require assets, much like the Sixers had to do. You had to trust the process. You got to go the Sam Hinky road get bad to get good, and I mean, you're, you're seeing that pay off for the Sixers now. It, it should pay off for the Browns here in a few years. Right, well, in the grand scheme of things, the Browns don't matter. Nobody cares about the Browns. The Browns are going to lose. They're going to do what they do best, and that's lose. Uh, a team that people care about, a team that matters, a team that wins, a team that's successful. Cleveland against the world. No, 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 no. A team that's successful is the New Orleans Saints. The Saints were victims last year of just bad luck, losing games at the very end, collapsing. Uh, Falcons rise the at the top. Quarter. Yeah. Um, but this is the epitome of a team on the rise. Um, you look at some of the acquisitions that they made. Let's start off first with Adrian Peterson. Um, the last time AP had a quarterback that was elite, you know, had a QB rating of over 100, was that first Brett Favre season, and what happened? Took him to the NFC Championship. Exactly. So when AP doesn't have to go up against stacked boxes and he has a, an elite passing game to play on, 
he is going to take the team deep into the postseason. Uh, the offensive line what, isn't hold up, hold up. terrible either. Do you think either. AP's body can hold up, though, now? Of course, but, you know, I mean, he, he's not the 400-touch guy anymore. Okay, I agree with that. I mean, they do have the supplementary backs there, so... They certainly have the ancillary pieces. Ingram, uh, Cadet, uh, they just drafted Kamara. Um, but, you know, I mean, how about the elite passing game? This is like a 35-40 point per game team. Um, you know, everybody writes off the Saints offensively because they got rid of Brandon Cooks, but, you know, the, the truth is good riddance because they weren't using him properly. Uh, he was just being used as screen guy and a field stretcher. They replaced him with a screen guy and a field stretcher, probably the best field stretcher in the NFL at this point uh, with Ted Ginn. Um, also, Kobe Fleener, he's a freaking knucklehead. He's the dumbest, stupidest player in the entire NFL. Uh, but it's going to do him wonders to be his, uh, to uh, to get another year of the system under his belt, and uh, you know I mean he's extremely athletic and a huge pass catcher, and I think Breeze um, is going to find him this year instead of Fleener being taken out every five seconds for running the wrong route or not blocking and being replaced with Josh Hill. That's a big plus right there. Another one is Michael Thomas. Boy, oh boy, did Michael Thomas. I mean, he looked like T.O. last year. Michael Thomas is a star. He's a, he's a real good player. You know, uh, people are just like, oh, he's Marcus Colston. No, he is not Marcus Colston. He's going to be better than Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston, but that's the perfect receiver for New Orleans right there, that big-bodied receiver right there. That's the possession-type receiver. But Michael Thomas has a little bit of game-changing speed in him. I like that T.O. comparison. Yeah, um, and it's not just the offense now, it's the defense. You know, when you hear New Orleans Saints, you think, oh, shoddy defense. You know, their, their defense is like a, like a sieve. It's like Swiss cheese, that defense. Um, that's just not the case anymore. In fact, second half of the last season, that defense was average to good. Um, so, you know, with like Delvin Bro and, and Sheldon Rankins, Danelle Ellery, that defense is ready. Kenny Ficaro. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that defense is ready now to perform and, and to contribute. It's not going to be elite, but it's not going to be, it's not going to lose you any games. Right. It's, it's going to keep you in the games. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get the turnover. It's not going to screw you over like it did in the years past for the Saints. This is certainly an 11 or 12 win team. Don't forget that offensive line either. You got. Ramzik, Streif, um, is Unger if he's healthy. Who else do they got? Pete? I mean, that, that offensive line could be potentially a top 10 offensive line. NFL teams on the decline. So the most obvious team on the decline this year is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. I couldn't agree with you more there, Jake. Uh, completely overachieved, especially the defense last year. Let's talk about the defense first. Um, so you're losing, like, 5,000 snaps, I think it is, of starters uh, with Brandon Carr, with Mo Claiborne, with uh, Barry Church, with J.J. Wilcox. Losing a ton of freaking snaps right there. And who do you replace them with? You replace them with Nolan Carroll and a bunch of draft picks and and Orlando Skandrick, who's lost a step, uh, and, you know, Anthony Brown, who needed help on... Every single snap last year, you know, that's just not going to cut it. Um, Especially when you're playing those NFC teams like Rodgers, you got Eli Breeze. Those teams are going to expose your secondary easily. Um, another huge loss was the loss of Terrell McLean. He was the primary run stopper. He didn't get a lot of press, but he was the primary run stopper uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, they think Cedric Thornton can step in that role, but the 
Uh, Cowboys took pride. Uh, their top ten run defense was because of Terrell McLean. But not just will the pass defense be putrid, not just will the run stopping uh, take a step back, but this team has absolutely zero pass rush. Um, you know, everybody thinks Taco Charlton is going to save the day. Taco Charlton is like a pat. He's so he's classified as a pass rushing specialist. Well, he's the slowest pass rushing specialist I've ever seen. Um, this is like the shoddiest, most like insanely bad, poorly put together group of pass rushers. You have Demarcus Lawrence, who's had like back operations. He has a bad back. You have uh, you have hunchback Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, you have slow as molasses Taco Charlton expecting him to rush the passer. So, you know, it, it, it's just not going to happen. Tyrone Crawford is it, it, extremely underperforming. Um, Did Irving get suspended or something like that? Did yeah, Irving get yeah, suspended? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and let's talk about the troublemakers and, and suspensions of this defense. You know, just past week you had Damian Wilson uh, being arrested for pointing a gun at somebody, threatening to shoot them over a parking space. Um, you have Randy Gregory failing every single drug test he's ever been given. Um, you have Rolando McLean of last year, who's uh, 300 pounds, you know, just uh, sitting at home, potentially burning his house down for the insurance money. Um, Jordan Lewis for domestic violence. Exactly. So, I mean, oh, I mean, this is... This, Rob Marinelli's going to do his absolute best uh, he can with his defense. It won't be the worst defense in the NFL, but it's going to be pretty darn close. Talking about overachieving, I think Dak Prescott overachieved last year. I think that's when he's going to come down to earth this year. Absolutely. Um, you know, Dak Prescott has horrific accuracy uh, in, in, in the mid to uh, deep passing game. Um, and that that's tough for any NFL team if the, the field shrinks. Um, Dez, you know, he needs to be that deep threat. Terrence Williams, he needs to be that deep threat. And that is virtually non-existent uh, with Dak Prescott. Um, the problem for the Cowboys this year um, is going to be how they have to kind of th- like jumble together this offensive line again. Um, the loss of Ron Leary, who was top five run blocker uh, is going to be... Collins is back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But So Collins is going to be kicked out to right tackle, and then they're going to have Chaz. I've had every operation imaginable. Green <laughs> uh, playing left guard. Chaz Green, who's a, a, a tackle, they're converting to guard. Um, so the offensive line play is going to take a step back. But you're exactly right when you talk about overachieving Dak Prescott. You know, if you put Dak Prescott in Cleveland, for example... Prescott is going to suck. He's going to be out of the NFL. Absolutely. Dak Prescott was in a simplified system last year where it was, if my first option isn't open, where well, let me find Jason Witten. Let me give, give him the ball. Dump it off to him. If you put Cody Kessler in Dallas last year, I think Cody Kessler does similar to the same things as Dak Prescott did. And, and you know, like you can mention Dez. Oh, you know, Dez can carry the team, but... You know, Dez just doesn't do that anymore. Ever since he had that foot injury, and he's the ball too. Well, well, no, but like ever since Dez had that foot injury, um, you know, he he's he, he's not an elite receiver anymore. He's not as strong as he once was. Uh, you know, he he got comfortable as soon as he got the money, um, and you know, Dak Prescott isn't going to make Dez elite. So the only thing this team has going for them. Uh, is Ezekiel Elliott's the real deal? He's the next AP. He's might be better than AP. There's no doubt about that. And the man is absolutely insane. He's, I mean, 
just watching him last year run over people, run through people, run past people, juke past people. He's, he's probably the best running back in the league right now. So, I mean, this is an eight or nine win team, um, but they're going to have to run Zeke into the ground if, if, if they want to carve out those wins. Another team on the fall is the Atlanta Falcons. That's just because a big part of that is they lost Kyle Shanahan. Oh, catastrophic. Kyle Shanahan, whenever he left Washington and uh, Cleveland, those offenses became terrible. I see that happening, too. I don't see it becoming terrible for Atlanta, but they're definitely going to be a lot worse than they were last year. So that division uh, that they're in especially is decided by one possession, you know, by three or seven points every game. Uh, And the Falcons weren't known for their elite defense. They were known for being the fast-paced, 40-point-per-game offense. Um, Shanahan did a great job week in and week out exposing, scouting the opposing team's weaknesses. Um, And, you know, his voice isn't going to be there anymore. And that is such a catastrophic loss. I think um, with Matt Ryan having a career year, there's no way he has a career again because how many times do you see people have career years and then go and have a better year or equal year? So he's obviously going to regress himself. Also, the curse of not winning the Super Bowl. You know, the historically, the team that loses the Super Bowl uh, gets awarded horrible things and, and no success. We want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Make sure to give us a follow on Twitter at SodasPod. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and email us at SodasPod at gmail.com. This has been a blast. This has been a wonderful second episode. Stay on the lookout for our MLB trade deadline episode. So on behalf of everyone at the State of the Art Sports Podcast, we will see you soon.